0: Hello and welcome to Inside Jobs, where we get to meet creative leaders who work directly for brands, learn about how they got to where they did and understand what drives them. Inside Jobs is brought to you by iHaf, the leading professional association for in-house agencies and Express KCS, content production partner to discerning brands and agencies who want digital, video and print marketing assets produced quickly and without fuss. My name's Robert Barclay, and in this episode I get to meet Cliff Stevens, who took over as Head of Creative Operations at Liberty Mutual in Boston last year. His perspective's interesting, as he comes from a rapid-fire succession of traditional agencies, both East and West Coast. Cliff's a man who likes a plan, and like me, he sees the value in stupid questions. He's also living proof of the benefit of keeping in touch with your colleagues. Uh, Cliff Stevens, welcome to the Inside Jobs podcast. Thank you,
1: Robert, appreciate you having me.
0: It's a pleasure, it's a pleasure. It's nice when these things really happen. We met up in May in New York City. I can't remember what we were talking about, but it came around to the podcast pretty quickly and you uh, you seemed excited about taking part, which is great. Yeah,
1: it's uh, it's true. It's one of the things, you know, I was in New York uh, speaking on a panel um, about the rise of the in-house agency and the dynamics with external agencies. And when, you, um, when we grabbed each other at the end after it, uh, it just seemed like there was a natural connection to continue that conversation and to talk about that since it's a pretty hot topic in the news today along with marketing worlds and advertising worlds and what's that nice balance between the two.
0: Yeah, that's uh, so. I think you're going to have some particularly interesting perspective. Um, we're going to go through your career in a bit, but you recently come from the advertising world and uh, you've pole vaulted over the over the fence uh, into in-house agencies. So just just to let us know, let uh, where are you right now, then Cliff?
1: Great. Yeah. yeah, I I have. I've been on the external agency world for most of my career, and and most recently I made the move to Liberty Mutual. Uh, to oversee their in-house agency. So I am the Director of Creative Operations. Uh, I've got a team of about 35 people right now that range across um, varying capabilities uh, to cover the majority of the work that comes uh, from Liberty Mutual from an external consumer-facing side. Um, We work with a few partners, uh, external agency partners, and partner with them well. Uh, But there's been a, a big push at Liberty Mutual to... Um, have the in-house agency grow because they see tremendous value. in well, that.
0: This is, Was this an existing in-house agency or one that uh, you, you're setting up at the moment?
1: I was fortunate to have a foundation to walk into. So it was an existing in-house agency. Uh, there were varying degrees of creative uh, teams and yeah. groups that had been at Liberty for the past several years, but they made a really big focus about three years ago to uh Change a lot of those creative offerings to really focusing on the external consumer side. So it's really been okay. about three years in the making.
0: So you say you're fortunate. Not everybody says that because uh, sometimes people like to start with a clean slate and uh, and do it completely their way. But it sounds like your uh, your starting point isn't so bad.
1: You know that starting point to building something from you know two to five people to then scaling it is always uh, challenging. And so yeah. I, I completely respect my predecessors in, in building that. At the same time, they create a nice foundation for us to grow well. And so it's really about amplifying that and what that next step would look like.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, we will come to that. So let's go, let's go back into, into our way back machine, Cliff, and uh, back to the dawn of time. Um, so where, where were you from originally?
1: So I'm originally from outside Boston. I grew up in Chelmsford, Massachusetts. So yep. apologies that we stole our town from you. Um,
0: but <laughs> my, uh, mother, my mother lives near Boston in England, and she constantly very... complains about the fact that when she looks things up on the internet, uh, she's told that they're just down the road in places like <laughs> Cambridge or uh, you know Lexington or whatever. So or,
1: or Lowell, right? So I, yeah. my family has always been in the textile business for most of uh, my life, and so. I grew up around a family textile business that started back in 1865.
0: Oh my goodness. And
1: so for me, uh, that seemed like the path that I was gonna go towards coming out of college. Yeah. Um, and when you know I was rounding out my opportunities and talking about it with my father, who was the CEO and president at the time, uh, he wouldn't give me a job. And so- I, I, why, I,
0: why, why wouldn't, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of guessing that the textile industry was not at its strongest point then, but uh, why wouldn't he give you a job?
1: You are correct. It was, it was two reasons. One was he wanted to see where the world was going from a global markets perspective and where American manufacturing's role was going to be with that and also being a driver of it. And the second one was he's like, I need you to have outside experience and I need you to bring something unique to this table, not something that I've done previously. So yeah. go do what you would want to do, what makes you happy, what, what you're passionate about, and let's talk in a few years and see where we're at. And okay. and at that point, and I remember that talk very vividly, I was, I was walking around the campus of Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut, and mm. I started on my advertising and marketing career, starting the small little internships, um, you know, local based places in East Hartford.
0: So some, something drew you to marketing or advertising at that point already, right? Yeah, I, I had actually, there's
1: a, there's a great masterclass um, that was offered at, at Trinity that was run by a guy named Bruce McDonald, who was an old YNR veteran, who came and did classes at the, at the college. Yeah. And I would sit with him after each class and talk to him about brands and where they fit into the marketplace and how things had changed from jingles and taglines to identity and the impact of that. And I cool. really liked the idea of working in a business that also had a creative side because I had a pretty sort of creative background growing up in theater and arts and culture and music. Are you an and- actor? i i was not a good one but i i i <laughs> there are very I, few I, good actors <laughs> i was a good supporting role and <laughs> and loud enough and verbose that um it, it was a, it was a great opportunity for me to to be on stage a little what was bit your, and, what was
0: your best part there cliff oh
1: god i was mainly known for singing so i was always in oh. the
0: Apollo group are you still singing uh, only to
1: my kids at night and to my wife every now and then.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. The novelty wears off, doesn't it? It, it uh, does. <laughs> my current wife I met and I played guitar and I thought that would be the most lovely thing to romance her. And it did for about a week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's, it, it, I, it gets tiresome after that. I think it was the hook, line, and sinker. And I don't know if it continued much after that. <laughs> so. Exactly. Anyway, but, so you were at college and you, you turned your back on, uh, on treading the boards and uh, doing, interested in marketing to augment the skill set for the family business. What happened? so I got hooked
1: I started uh, interviewing and networking like crazy and I had a fortunate um, college professor and coach at the time which is coach Paul Asiente who is actually the head of the Trinity Men's squash Coach who just consistently set me up in New York with interviews and meeting people from the CMO of Planet Fitness to uh, other brands, and I was yeah. just getting 10 minutes of time with people and I really started to realize what they were shaping from a marketing perspective. Huh. And then I got my first role um, shortly after my senior year at JDBT in New York, and I actually had you know, uh, met someone at J D B T while I was teaching tennis that summer and working on a marketing internship at the same time. And after giving this gentleman a good backhand, he said, send me your resume. and Sure enough, within two weeks, I was interviewing at JWT and I landed my role by the end of what the summer. What
0: did you have in your resume at that point, though? You, you could had, sing? Well, a singing I, career? I
1: had a liberal arts background <laughs> and I had had um, two marketing in, uh, three marketing internships while I was in college. I had enough to be dangerous to be interviewed and then I had, hopefully, the personality and the, the work ethic <laughs> to justify my assistant account executive role at
0: JWT. Yeah.
1: Um Right off the bat.
0: So do you remember your first days at JWT?
1: Absolutely. I, I will never forget those. Uh, one of, it was actually back in 2003 when there was the classic blackout was the fourth day I started. Oh so God. New York went completely black and mm. it was one of those, I was finishing my first report for my boss and my computer just went out. And I was you know so excited because I thought I had done a great job and I was like, what just happened here? and then they evacuated the buildings. Um, right. But what I remember most about those first few days was some of the people that I've met that have you know, p- played a pretty big impact on my career along the way. And one of them was a, a gentleman named Howard Cordemash, who was yeah. the CEO of healthcare at JVT, which was a major division there. And he said, oh, what are you working on? And I said, oh, I'm working on a small brand, Listerine Pocket pack Strips. And that was my first brand that I was working on. Yeah. And he goes, Cliff, they spend $36 million a year in TV advertising alone they're far from a small brand. <laughs> and that stuck with me as sort of- So what really, did you
0: learn there? What did you learn, Cliff?
1: I think I learned the real impact of how much media was being spent against brands. And that was a small breath mint oh. <laughs> or breath strip mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. And so if we thought about that as part of the larger Pfizer offering, who spends a billion dollars a year, that started to really resonate me with the impact of you know, where people were spending their time, how they were spending it. Um, what we were creating there, and the the advertising and the communications behind it, and the value of that.
0: But the responsibility as well yeah, of absolutely. what you had as a as a as a young graduate working there.
1: Um, very eye opening, and I loved it. I, I got a chance to work on my first, you know, fifteen second TV spot to my first out of home work. Uh, to first worlds of digital, which had just started to really t- start to take shape at that time.
0: Did you feel you knew what you were doing or did you feel that imposter syndrome where you were kind of hoping that no one would find out that you didn't know what you were doing at this point? I was pretty transparent about it. I think that was
1: probably my... <laughs> I
0: honestly have no idea why I'm here. Okay. Well, I
1: think it was one of those where... I was so eager to learn that yeah. I was okay admitting what I didn't know. And I think that's yeah. one of the biggest things in this industry now that people still, some, still sometimes struggle with is that vulnerability. And I, I was being comfortable. I was comfortable being vulnerable. I was, yeah. I was comfortable saying, hey, I'd love to learn more about this. And I think at the time, my bosses really rallied around that and felt like they could not only teach me or, or mentor me, but then actually take, take it up a notch and I, give me yeah. more work.
0: It's funny. One of my first learning experiences at work was when I was about 21 or two, and I'd got a job with a company that was doing page layout software, but this is before Quark or PageMaker even, but on a Mac. I knew the software, but I had no idea what it was for. And, and, <laughs> I, and I remember asking the uh, the manager there, the production manager, that this is great, but I hope you don't mind me asking. It's probably a silly question. What the hell do you use this for? And he was so happy to show me and he took me around and he showed me the whole process of producing a newspaper and i realized then that actually everyone wants to talk about what they know and what they enjoy and uh, there's never any harm in asking and you know you won't look an idiot you'll look curious which is you know a fantastic virtue i think
1: i agree i think that's one of the things that i I would instill in a lot of the people that um, look up to me these days too is is admit what you don't know because what you don't know you might actually end up knowing and you know, celebrating and and figuring out where your passions lie and, and part Absolutely. of your growth. So
0: admit what you don't know, totally agree. Um, And I do that a lot, by the way, Cliff, because I don't <laughs> know a lot. So you were uh, you worked on Pfizer brands, but you also worked on Domino's? How did you uh, yeah, balance so, those two? What did you do for Domino's,
1: you know, Domino's um, was in a price war with a lot of the other um, pizza based businesses, it was the 555 deal, which was the number one thing. But what ultimately happened was that deal, which was a great marketing idea, ultimately, you know, denigrated the brand to being about value and cost as opposed to about quality. Yeah.
0: Cheap uh, pizza. No. Cheap
1: pizza, right? Yeah. Easy, fast. And you, mm. and you focus on that. And so that, that was a big eye opener that I look back at a time frame now. And, and, and it makes me think about how does something like that translate to today? You know, when, yeah. you, when you're in a, a price war, you're in a different environment, what does that look like?
0: So. I tell you, it's a it's, it's a truism that uh, selling on price is never a winner. Never a winner. You never get good quality, and you never make any profit. Yep. Yeah sounds like jwt was the most formative but you went to to draft fcb uh, was that also in new york
1: that was also in new york that was a short stint that was there for about six months i um what JWT, JWT had been great i got a nice you know as, as you know in most of advertising worlds when you're young you need to make a few moves to make a mm-hmm. few bucks mm-hmm. uh, and also to grow your career and i got a great opportunity to go work for tony scopolito and Monica Bloom um, while I was there. And yes. I got a chance to work with Sandy and Terry, who actually own their own small agency now at this point,
0: uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh,
1: working on the Kraft and Gerber businesses. And I, I really liked that CPG space. Um, ultimately, while I was there, um, which I really enjoyed it, I got an opportunity to go work at Crispin Porter and Bogusky. Uh, I had a friend who I'd worked with previously on the Domino's account at JBT. went down to Miami, said, hey, you gotta get down here. We're, we're making some pretty amazing things. Yeah at the time. And what you did know, he
0: want you for then as, a, as your account, your account managing at this point? Yeah, I
1: was an account supervisor basically at the time and, and the, uh, they call you a content supervisor when you're at, at Crispin and I was working on Volkswagen. Uh-huh.
0: OK, so you went out west to work at McCann's in San Francisco, then you went back east to Hill Holiday as an account manager, then you went back out to San Francisco to work at McGarry Bowen. I think you were with Intel and Clorox with their in-house, uh, with their in-house agencies I think. Anyway, fast forward to now. Why did you decide to go in-house at Liberty?
1: Yeah, I um, I did. I, I, I had a, I've always been kind of a planner and thinking about what's next in my life and career. And I had known from my friends who had who had gone to Crispin to say, look, you'll be there for you know, six months to a year and a half. And when I thought about that, I said, okay, well, what might be next after that? And what might add real value to my career and my opportunity. So I I thought about going down there for about that time frame and then going out.
0: Uh, You you mentioned you you thought they were just quicker, slicker and thicker, but you're finding that people you respect are working there, which must have helped you make that decision as well.
1: Absolutely. I mean, they had built a great foundation. And I think they also had built a a great group of people with, I had a, a director of strategic operations who was part finance part our tech stack part thinking about our process who was there who had had so much rich history there? It's a gentleman named mike laberge and i met with him and i saw real value and i said okay there's a a great group of people here and biggest impact in my decision making was my boss that i'd be reporting into and i had the fortunate opportunity to meet with a woman named jenna labelle who's now my boss who's the vp of brand integrated marketing and i did my homework on her before i met with her. And I realized that this was someone who had made a pretty big impact at Liberty Mutual from not only a marketing perspective, but an infrastructure. Great opportunity for someone I could learn so, from. So take uh, us to
0: your role then. You you did briefly summarize at the beginning of the of this uh, podcast, but uh, r- remind us then. So what's your responsibility and how's what team have you got and what do they do?
1: Sure. So I am the Director of Creative Operations. Uh, we have 35 people. Our uh, team extends between a creative department that's got writers and art director partners. We've got a project management, account strategy, and production group that is all uh, under Julie Hager. We've got our studio, which is under Dylan, who oversees graphic designers, uh, email designers, copy editors, uh, and also our video- in-house video editor okay. animator. Uh, and then we've got strategic operations, which is under Mike LeBurge, who helps us think about our value back to liberty. So, what is the cost of doing business with us versus what would it be, you know, versus an external agency? How do we improve our process? How do we think about our ongoing tech stack to create, you know, more efficiencies in how we work?
0: Did you you felt that this role was needed at the time or was it an open vacancy anyway?
1: Well, it was an open vacancy that they had started as part of the search. And, you know, but when I was hired, my I was actually, even in my transition um, back to the East Coast, I was having regular conversations with my boss, Jen, at the time about the creative director, the role, the type of person that we were looking for. And so I was fortunate enough to listen to my wife, uh, who had said, there's a great guy at Mullen who um, has done some pretty incredible work. He understands both sort of the traditional in the digital space and and probably is rooted in the digital world. His his manner and how he conducts himself is sounds like what you guys would be looking for. And so there was a, a great guy that I got to know and his name's John Real, who's now our creative Director.
0: Or commercially aware.
1: Very aware. I, I would say he is one and he's also just a very calm demeanor. He understands the dynamics of teams, he understands how to empower people. You know, he he's the kind of person that comes in a room and simplifies so, it. And so for that was pretty crucial for us to make sure that our process and our approach was easy to build off of
0: Um, so process and approach is is important but who are your customers directly and who are you competing for their attention and business
1: it's a good point so the way we're structured from an in-house perspective is our partners at liberty mutual are our marketing clients so across our group we work directly with teams that are putting out work across all consumer touch points so if we look at our consumer journey we can align tactics and initiatives against acquiring new customers, retaining customers.
0: And how many marketers how many marketers are there at Liberty Mutual?
1: So I'd say with under Emily Fink, who's our CMO, she's probably got about a hundred, hundred and twenty mm-hmm. people within her group. And that extends across sort of the consumer-facing side. There's other groups at Liberty that focus on commercial insurance or mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. insurance. So that is also some work that we've started to pick up into our group as well, just based but, but on some well, organizational- So
0: that, that's an interesting point about that you're picking up that work because you do still have an AOI, is that right?
1: We do. We work closely with Goodby Silverstein okay. and partners, and they have been great partners. And it's one of those things that I get asked a lot of, well, how does how does that work with them? And I said, it works great. They they have their scope that, that drives a lot of the big broadcast media buys that are out there because that's what the insurance category is really about. And so for us, it's, uh, it's an exciting time to kind of see the rise of our group and to see some new work coming from them and to kind of keep people inspired okay. that way.
0: So um, you're taking the lead from their creative at all times? So what we do is they're, what the work that they're doing when they've
1: got sort of major work that's hitting into the marketplace, we take the lead from them to help figure out how to support. right? So if they're working on mm-hmm. broadcast, we're trying to shape that idea and how do we bring that into digital-based executions or uh, sponsorship-based opportunities or events or internal sometimes as well. So we really try and take the core idea and figure out how to do extend e- it. Does that Does that um, extend
0: to, to asset production as well and imaging and, and, and video? Yep. So, so will they provide those or will you take an idea and then develop it yourself and create those assets yourself?
1: Uh, it's a little bit of both. I would say we, there's usually a core idea that we are augmenting with, hey, there's needs to help round out where this idea yeah. can go. And I'd say that's sort of our first phase of working with them, which has been great. Um, Because we really want to make sure that our message in the market is consistent. And that's one of the biggest things for us is to say, let's not reinvent the wheel or go too far off on a tangent. Let's make sure, especially with where Liberty is as a sort of challenger brand in the marketplace, we need to make sure that message is pretty consistent across all touch points. So we really think about partnering with them on shoots to say, hey, you know, we realize that the bulk of this work is going to be primarily in the video based space. We want to make sure we're capturing mm-hmm. enough assets that we can extend it across that consumer journey.
0: So looking to the future then, Cliff, that you uh, probably got another five-year plan up your sleeve.
1: <laughs> I do. Um, what, does
0: that look, what does that look like? And I would
1: actually say we do, <laughs> um, we do. I, it's one of those things where uh, we really wanted to think about what our growth opportunity was. How do we consistently create value back to the marketing organization and the company overall, right? How do we save dollars in the sense of our cost of doing business? Things like how do we keep our team and talent motivated? How do you recruit talent? We did a, an exercise called question thinking where I took my leadership team that included John, Mike, Julie, and Dylan, and we sat for two days and really just asked ourselves a ton of questions about what our real opportunity would be and what our challenges would be uh, year over year and how do, would we face those. So a pretty lofty goal, especially when you're thinking about an insurance agency having an in-house agency
0: oh, you, um you say that i mean we we have to so speak for myself i have a lot of clients uh, agencies from uh, insurance companies and uh, i don't think i think you're understating it i think that uh, you guys actually are an attractive employer for all sorts of reasons there's a huge amount of potential there's a great deal of openness to trying new things uh, now which maybe there wasn't 20 years ago but uh, i'm certainly seeing that you know, for the people i work with
1: you're right i mean especially in the insurance business there are brands that are building that built their in-house capabilities you know state farm has a good 200 person yeah. shop nationwide has uh, about 150 people prudential. Um, all-state prudential so i'd say it's there i'd say our biggest opportunity is that we want people to feel like that's a true badge of honor right yeah. just as if you were going to go work at a spotify or a facebook or a you know amazon's d1 yeah. and yeah. so for us we want to say well how do we create that culture how do we create those opportunities so the, this year is really about the, that work itself really working. The other side that we're trying to think about is what does our identity look like, who, why, like is the, the creative group is a good name, but it's not something that might attract you to a, a space mm-hmm. right off the bat so that mm-hmm. people can say, wow, I want to go work at Liberty. So we're really mm-hmm. trying to figure out what that identity looks like name, offering opportunities for people so that when you start to think about your next role, oh, Wow, Liberty's in Boston. I'd love to go take a look at those guys. Like they're actually doing something completely different. So that's that's the starting place of it all. I'll probably have some more news for you guys in the coming months on that. Um, well, talk to me I,
0: the coming months. Are you coming to the IHAF uh, conference? I yeah, guess it's in your town. So you'll yeah. be there? I will be there. Yes. Okay. Anyone yeah. who's anyone is there, I believe. The, it is.
1: It's, it's a great forum. I mean, my, last year was the first time I had gone to it. It was actually yeah. during my first few weeks of being at Liberty. And to see the quality of the work and, and the stories that people are talking about from, you know, yeah. Bank of America to- Theresa Hurd was speaking, wasn't she? Is that uh, I believe she did two years yeah. ago. Oh, um, two years ago, okay. Um, yeah. And plus. which was, which made sense and, and mm. she's built you know, a, a group yeah. that now competes globally, you know, from a, a creative standpoint. So
0: certainly. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you've uh, have you found the work life balance? Have you have you learned what that is yet or not? I have. I, I really <laughs> have. I,
1: I do. I, and I, I believe that. Clue us all in. Well, I would say it's not <laughs> even just from an agency's perspective. It's liberty's policy. They ah. they believe in empowering their people. They believe in, you know, being able to work from home one day a week, Uh they, they talk about a 37 and a half hour work week because they realize they're either going to get good balance from people. And it's not to say that people just put in 37 and a half hours, you get your work done and when you need to get done. But, um, it also gives you the ability to have that time because when you come back refresh the next day, you're better. And I think that's one of the things that we sometimes mm-hmm. lose a little bit in our advertising and marketing space and kind of staying hungry.
0: So, um. With that work-life balance, then, what's uh, what happens with your life? What's uh, what's your main preoccupation outside work, Cliff?
1: Uh, right now, uh, trying to get as much golfing as I can on the weekends and when okay. it doesn't impact family time. Um, How's the handicap? It's it's slowly going down. It's going to take a few years. I haven't uh, been able to focus on <laughs> under a hundred, which is good, um, <laughs> but it's it it could be improved. Uh, the other side is family. Right, I, I'm actually now engaged i think in, through the advertising and marketing world sometimes it's hard to separate you know your job from your personal life and you yeah. you think about that a lot especially when you've got motivations and growth yeah. opportunities in front of you and yeah. so now i'm able to really watch my kids grow up i, How I old feel are they like now? they're four and two so they're yeah. at that like yeah. amazing age where yeah. they're still a little bit of a handful but like they you know turn cute yeah. moments at any moment so
0: it's important it's absolutely important so it, it rejuvenates. So th- this has been a, an amazing story of, uh, you know, kind of full on Mad Men style, uh, <laughs> you know, 26 hour a day agency and then changing gear to lead uh, a very well known brands in-house agency. I think uh, Liberty Mutuals Advertising, I think, is pretty, pretty famous. Um, yep. So there's, uh, there's a cre- tremendous connection for you there. And you obviously pay a lot of credit to the people around whom you've worked. The five-year plan suggests you're going to be there for at least five years
1: uh, that is the plan i i i see it as a true growth opportunity and you can kind of cadence that i think i've always been thinking about what's next and this is where an opportunity where i'm empowered for that i'm empowered from that from my boss general Bell, from our cmo emily think you know they've got good great um true north star goals and i i believe in that so I'm i'm just trying to keep that ship moving forward
0: well just uh, reading between the lines on the dates on your timeline i think you're not yet halfway through your career so <laughs> I, I for one i'm going to be fascinated to see how this develops because you've come a long way quite quickly and uh, to see where that trajectory takes you uh, will be very interesting we'll see you at i um if someone wants to buy you a drink they might even get to talk to you i guess cliff um, <laughs> that
1: sounds great i would love that well you can come... i'll look forward to seeing you there too
0: yeah me too and if they want to get hold of if they can't meet you at IHAF, but perhaps want to get hold of you uh, otherwise how can they do that
1: best bet is to either give me a call or email me I'm, I'm at clifford.stevens at liberty or feel free to call my cell phone 617-335-9912 mm-hmm. I, I'm always interested in connecting with people I do it on a pretty regular basis because it helps from idea generations it helps with that five-year plan and if I can provide value to anyone else in the industry who's thinking about it um, I I find that incredibly rewarding as well. And I genuinely enjoy the conversation.
0: Well, it's evident from the way that you've kept in touch with so many people from your past, you've name checked so many people and obviously, uh, you know, tip the hat at uh, at what they've contributed to you. So uh, Cliff, thank you so much for taking part on the Inside Jobs podcast. And uh, I really appreciate your time. We uh, hopefully the listeners won't know, but we had a few technical difficulties along the way, (laughs) Uh, but uh, we weren't deterred and we got to the end. So Cliff, once again, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Robert, for your time. I appreciate you uh, initiating this. I, I genuinely enjoyed our conversation, so thank you.